0: Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of November 3rd. I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner, joined as always by the rest of the Dirt on Dirt editorial staff, Kevin Kovac, Todd Turner, and Robert Holman, and discussing all the news, notes, and notable topics of dirt late model racing. This weekend we're coming off uh, uh, the second weekend in in a row without any national touring as we head into uh, the final week of National touring racing with the world of outlaws wrapping up this weekend at Charlotte. Uh, like I said we're coming off two the second week in a row of these kind of late season special events that uh, you know some of them long running and traditional um, some of the new ones popping up and we're going to kind of talk about uh, kind of where those events are fitting in on the schedule uh, as all these national touring, the schedules and payouts and everything expanding how it's affecting these late season traditional spe- unsanctioned specials we usually see thought it'd be a good week to discuss that. But uh, first, a quick summary of this past weekend. Uh, we saw Brandon Overton get back in the win column continuing his chase for a million dollar season, which I think uh, Kevin Kovac's is going to have an update on, a, uh, on that for us later in the podcast. Uh, And then that was at the National 100 at East Alabama Motor Speedway, a a $20,000 victory there for Overton. And then we saw at Pike County Speedway, the Jambalaya 100, Tyler Erb picked up the opening night victory, a $3,000 win. And then uh, Mississippi driver Chad Thrash defended the little bit of a home turf there, uh, winning, dominating uh, the Saturday night portion for a career-high $10,000 payday there. Uh, some other events going on that we'll maybe mention in one more thing a little later over the past weekend. But I really wanted to dive in and talk about these late season specials. Um, you know, we've seen it, like I said, the past two weeks where these these races that are typically drawn big car counts and have been looked on as as big money races in the past for have had different levels of success as far as car count the past few weeks with a handful of these races. And so we kind of thought it'd be a good time to discuss that. And so, Todd, I kind of wanted to start with you and see what your take was on where these races fall in uh, into the grand scheme of things, of course, talking about like why nots, um, Coors Light Fall Classic, uh, East Alabama's National One Hundred, Bedford Speedway um, had the Keystone Classic. Some of those races, where they kind of fit in the schedule in, in the world we live in in dirt Lake model racing and in, going into 2022.
1: Well, well, I do think probably some of these races, especially looking ahead to next year, with even more bigger races scheduled. You know, I think these races kind of have to decide what do we want to be? Um, you know, is our is our bread and butter to get four or five national touring starts or are we better at drawing a big, healthy regional field, uh, Or are we just happy to have a big end of the season thing with lots of cars and lots of divisions? And it's fine that super late malls are a part of it. You know, I think that's kind of you kinda have of have to focus, I think, for these promoters because because these four or five national touring guys may be a more difficult ask at this point with a more crowded schedule, uh richer races. Um, you know, I mean you're all always, even in the even in the past, you know, you're kind of like trying to get these guys to come out after they've many times, you know, kind of languished through a long season of national touring racing already. So so it's already a little bit of a struggle to get those guys. Um, so I guess I'm saying that to say, I'm not sure the answer is just to throw more money at it. Uh, the answer might be just decide what, you know, how to allocate the purse that you have available uh, to make it most attractive um, for whatever you want to be. Uh, I mean, to me, that, sound, that sounds like an important thing. It's kind of like, uh, kind of like when you go to war, it's like, what is our what is our goal? you know you you don't just go to war you don't just do certain things you n- you need to have like a kind of an end game and I think these promoters um who've had these races who may be changing a little bit in the way that uh the way they sit on the schedule these days may need to re-reevaluate that
0: yeah it sounds sounds like to me you kind of saying these guys these these promoters and these events need to find kind of their sweet spot if you will and if if like you said if drawing uh one or two or maybe 3 or 4 sometimes if they're lucky. I mean, look look at these the past couple of weeks. I look at uh, East Alabama which had I would say two national touring drivers. Why not it was about the same down at Pike County. They had uh, one. So if you're, you know, looking to draw one or two names plus a stout regional field, how do you do that? If you're obviously if you're really looking to be still be a national event, you know, I think that's going to take a lot more these days. Uh, Kevin, what what do you think is 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 it viable these events when they're trying to draw like I said, a couple of big names plus a regional field. Is that kind of that, that sweet spot you feel like some of these, uh, events should be looking for going forward?
2: Yeah. It's uh, I mean, when you, when you get that national touring guy, that's obviously going to be the, probably the, the favorite to win. And it also is going to help, uh, you know, get more attention for the race. So you always, the promoters are always going to want that. They want that big name in the field, uh, to give that their event, uh, you know, a little more of a, a little more of I- intrigue, I guess, uh, but I could see it becoming with with all the overall purses of everything, all these big races, especially coming up next year, how much money is going to be on the line, uh, how much more money uh, the national touring guys will be able to go after it. It, it will make it harder for these uh, you know, more regional, but the, that you want to try to grab four or five guys of the national tours. I mean, those guys, a lot of times those national guys will go to those races in the past because uh, they want to get another. Maybe they haven't had a very good season and they want to just get out there and have a couple more chances to to, to maybe pick some money up before the season's over and, and not have quite as much competition to go against. Uh, you know, they don't have to run against all the national touring guys. Uh, but if 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 there's so much money on the national tours where those guys even that don't win all the time, a little bit down in the in the points and the point funds are going to be more. I mean, like uh, uh, I, I look at it as uh, a national touring guy finishes sixth or seventh or eighth in points now. Uh, now they'll get more money in the point funds. Both series are going to be paying uh, substantially more for that. So maybe they don't have to go and run that. Maybe they'll be like, "Hey, we're already tired out. Let's get ready for next year rather than make another trip down to Mississippi, uh, down to Alabama, uh, or something like that." They'll they'll just kind of, "Hey, we 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 did pretty well, even though we didn't. We don't need that money as much as uh, maybe we have in the past, and maybe it'd be better to actually just take a little break here and have a little off season so we can kind of regroup for next year and come out stronger."
0: Yeah, you make a, uh, a really good point there because I, I look at a guy, you know, perfect example of what you're talking about, guys who, uh, you know, at the end of the year maybe haven't had the best year on a national tour, go down and make a little money to wrap up the year. You know, the driver comes to mind, Dennis Herb Jr., winning, you know, back-to-back now. Uh, the Fall Classic, fifteen thousand dollar payday, a, a second place finish um, this past weekend at East Alabama probably paid pretty well for him. Um, but like you're saying, next year, depending on you know what he does, and a guy like him, that points payout may cover that some of that money that he you know made down here last year, and you don't have to go to the races to do it. Um, and that's kind of what I wonder: uh, if these tracks are no longer going to be trying to pull even one or two big names, can it just be can just regional? Uh, guys and and maybe you draw guys from other regions as well uh you know kind of sustain these races uh, robert i know you follow the the regional uh uh level down here in the southeast uh, uh, pretty closely what what do you think can a, can a race like why not um be successful if Kate dillard and dennis erb and those guys don't come to that race and it's just uh you know all the local or the regional guys from that area you know i kind of agree with what uh what todd said
3: The the track has to uh, decide what they want out of the event, but I can tell you what the promoter—nine out of ten promoters—want out of event. It's not—it's not a trick. The promoter wants to make money, so uh, I'm not sure that when we talk about six we look at the success of of an event based on how many drivers showed up or how many big names showed up. Promoters don't always look at at a six. You know, that's not always their. measure of success for an event why not for instance had 193 cars in the pit area 193 cars that was a success i don't care how many late models were there there could have been 20 but they had 193 cars so you know i i really feel like that those races already have kind of a, a niche within their support divisions uh, when you got forty crates and thirty six o twos and and then all the other sportsmen and and uh, you know front wheel drives and all, all these other divisions, uh, you know, I, I really feel like that you have a, a, a successful event, and I think that if you can get three or four of these touring super late model guys to show up for your event it's just icing on an already pretty tasty cake. I mean, that's that's kind of the way I look at it. I just feel like the the name of the game is to make money so you can sustain the event, sustain your track, sustain your series, whatever it is moving forward. And, and it's it's all about getting people there, not necessarily how many super late models. Because my thing is this, years ago, there was maybe a cadet class or a sportsman class or a, you know, be modified or whatever you call these these the secondary late model class. Now it seems like there's three secondary late model classes. So before when we were getting 60 super late models. Well, there might have been 30 in the support late model division. You got 90 cars. Well, now you've got four late models type classes. You've got 120 cars like that. So you really have more. They're just not all super late models. So you know, if you if you can continue to do that, like kind of like the ice bowl does at the beginning of the year. You know, if you can continue to sustain that support moving forward, there's no reason for me to to believe that it won't be a success for the promoters. Financially, and that to me is the most important thing. The promoter has to have success financially so they can continue uh, to,
0: to have the event year after year. Yeah. Yeah. You bring up a very good point. Obviously, we you know, anyone who's been to these some of these races or watches the the live streams or whatever realizes pretty quick. It's not only about the the super late model show there. And I know that that uh, makes Todd cringe whenever, you know, we bring up the, the idea of, you know, make, leaning leaning more into the support divisions to make these events function. I, I'm sure, Todd, and, and I'm not you're not the only one who who uh, doesn't enjoy sitting through the support divisions. But uh, do, do, you, what, do you, what? what's your thoughts on that, Todd?
1: Well I, I agree with Robert that the promoter's got to make money and if that's the way to it that's that's fine but you you definitely um you degrade your super late model uh, division or you know you 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 are you are less of a big race if it's crowded with lots of other divisions and then you know I uh, uh, yeah, but if but if that's what you gotta do, make money, like I said before, you got if you're gonna pick, that's what you're gonna be, then that's fine what you're gonna be. A couple other topics I thought about this, you know, sometimes during this season, there'll be a three thousand or five thousand to win race somewhere, and you'll be like, oh my goodness, they, they drew forty five cars or whatever. It's like that's crazy. but th- but there is sometimes that thing where you pay a little less or you aim for a different style of, of racer. Where you do draw more cars now, I'm not sure that's gonna be a for sure win-win for you. But there is that there is that that as you said, sweet spot where sometimes if the purse isn't so big on top and it's more of maybe through the field and in a certain level, you can you, you can draw more cars and, and that way you are gonna draw more money in the pits and such. Uh, that's tricky to do, I think. Tricky to pick out. Uh, and then another topic, uh, you know. And I, I don't know if we can evaluate this or know for sure until next year. So in some ways, if you have so many more, you know, 30 and 50,000 to win races next year, so many very, very much, so many more races at that level than we've had before. Does that mean that if, if a lot of these 10000 and $15,000 to win races still hang around? on the same weekend as the fifty thousand dollars win race those those guys who maybe have won those ten thousand wins maybe at the fifty thousand to win. So are we gonna see where that next level guy kind of you know comes up and all of a sudden these guys are there's lots of guys next it season win ten thousand dollar races who didn't before because the competition you know it, it, basically everything is kind of stepped up a little bit maybe the trick trickle down economics of of, <laughs> of dirt racing or something but but where you can basically just every the stair steps have kind of adjusted and maybe these guys um maybe maybe that guy who who normally would be competitive at a five thousand dollar to one race all of a sudden is now competitive in the same way at every ten thousand dollar win race uh, i think we'll have to see on that next that next year but that but that interests me to see what what this does to these fields about where these guys decide to go
0: i think that uh i think to some extent todd you make a really good point there i think we're already seeing that i mean how many guys have we seen get career high paydays in recent weeks uh chad thrash ten thousand at, at pike county Um, uh, Corey Hedgecock at uh, 411's big race there. I think 15,000 was a career high for him Uh, and uh, Max Blair career high. Like uh, you can name every weekend. It seems like since, I I mean, I'd have to go back and look, but since I can remember, there's been a career high winner of these guys that, you know, their names, you know, they compete on the regional level. All of a sudden now they're winning 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 to win races. Uh, You know, and and that's, is that going to become the new norm as those national guys kind of scale up out of these uh these these bigger regional shows is, is the regional level scaling up to where you know 10 15, 15 to win is is more the new norm at least especially for these you know later season races another t- uh, thing you mentioned todd about the sometimes you'll see a, a lesser paying race draw a better field or more cars at least than a higher paying race perfect example of that Sonoma with their michael head jr memorial i remember going there and they had, I, I want to say it was thirty-nine or forty cars for the Southern All Stars, um, you know, five thousand to win show. And then they come back and have the World of Outlaws, uh, you know, I think a month and a half later, and they only get thirty-two cars. Um, you know, those regional guys, I, you know, I literally was at both races and looked around and I said, there's, you can, you know, you can see the guys that didn't come for this Outlaws race compared to the the Southern All Stars race was the regional guys. You had some extra national touring guys, probably scared those guys away a little bit. Um, so that's another, you know, level or an idea that uh, that promoters are going to have to adjust to and i think is there any you know issue there kevin i'll kick this one back to you if you do draw you know those national touring guys or let's say they stop coming to these races do you see the are we going to maybe see the fields increase because those regional guys that are more likely to come uh knowing they don't have to compete against national level competition
2: well I, I think it would be maybe if maybe it's a good uh way to position themselves for these promoters to make these races kind of late season races like this, like, like the why nots and the, uh, the, the Bedford's and, and and, Peg County this past weekend, all all the national 100, even, I guess, uh, to to position themselves as more big regional events. Don't get into some arms race here to keep paying more money and make it 25,000 to win 30,000 to win like Bedford. I think they get the same field if that race would have just stayed at 15,000 to win or 12,000 to win and then just redistribute that and make sure everybody gets a really pretty good payday that's getting in that race. You know, maybe even a little bit of tow money instead, you know, uh, to to get it. I mean, there's 43 cars for Bedford last week and uh, and one guy made the five figures. Maybe, you know, you could you could really make that a nice easy breakdown, you know, and spread it around because, uh, I mean, you look at the national 100 this weekend uh, that had to, they know Brandon Overton's going to it. I mean, who, I mean, I don't know that we, we don't have the, the percentage win thing that they have, like every play in an NFL game. This guy is the expected win percentage. I mean, What was the expected win percentage of Brandon Overton going down to the national 100? I mean, most of those guys were probably thinking, I mean, unless something really, he gets bad luck and he's not breaking down much. It's probably going to be for second, you know? I mean, that's how good he is. And Dennis Herb will probably be the other guy that's going to be right in the mix to win. And it seemed like that's exactly what happened. And, uh, and and there's not going to be, I I say like, especially this next year, this year, next year, more money, longer weekends for all these national tour races all year long drivers gonna be worn out too i mean how long how, they don't i don't think national tour guys are it's going to be naturally if you keep the purse from going up real high and you just load it with all these other divisions that are going to be on the field on the program with, uh, with these races national guys aren't going to want to sit there and, and after this long season you think they're going to want to go there and just sit there all weekend and wait until like the national 100 like brandon overton even said it this is a long weekend i don't think he'd go to it if it wasn't like something ingrained in his southern uh, racing you know background he thinks it, it still means something to him but you've seen like oh, there's not many national guys that go to that now it, it's they don't want it. it it was better this year it didn't start at 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock on sunday night but it still started at what seven eight it's still pretty late makes it a long day and i don't think those guys have the patience after a long season that they want to want to do that and um i I say you know maybe maybe some of these promoters too to to give it a little spice don't go after the biggest national tour i mean i I don't even know how many promoters actually go out there and like really try to attract drivers anymore it's not like they're calling up I, i i don't see it a lot anymore you back in the day that's a man driver promoters are out there busting you know down the phone lines to try to track something maybe maybe they attract, try to get us a couple guys from the midwest that are you know the jason feggers of the world maybe a ryan Unzick or something and maybe the guy from a, a guy from the northeast that a ross robinson or somebody like that all the five or six guys from a couple different areas bring them down to your race down in mississippi it makes it more interesting without even having these, uh, you know, the national guys, they're probably going to be winning the race, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. And I know someone who would probably agree with that is is Robert Holman, um, who, Robert, you've been a proponent of spreading, you know, as we get bigger payouts, spreading them out through the field. Do you think if that, you know, for these races— Perhaps that is the sweet spot for these guys. Instead of jacking up the, the to-win purse, let's put that money back through the field, make it where these regional guys not only are racing for a good, you know, on their scale, a good payout to win, but also, you know, good money uh, just to make the show. Do you think that's, uh, you know, kind of where these these events should head?
3: Man, we don't even have enough time to get me on my soapbox about these top-heavy purses. I mean, they're just, they're ludicrous. When you know you got thirty guys that pay the exact same money to come race, and I know somebody's got to win. That's I'm not saying oh the the first place should pay a thousand and last place should pay five thousand, you know. But you know my thing is is it costs money to get to these shows, so you want these guys to come back next weekend, next year, whatever. You've got to pay them. And and you can't pay the same amount of money from tenth to twenty fourth. That is, first of all, that's terrible for fans because cars start pulling off the racetrack, and it's terrible. It's just not good racing, and it's it's you don't have any incentive to stay out there. But to to your question, I definitely think that this, the that money should be if you've got a a twenty thousand to win race. That race needs to pay a thousand dollars to start, eight hundred minimum. And then it needs to be graduated up through there where people get, get money. Um, And I'm not, you know, I'm not a socialist. I don't think that everybody should get the same amount of money. You know, I'm not, I don't want to be thrown under the bus, you know, in that regard. But I I really feel like that, that $20,000 is good money to win a race. $15,000 is still good money to win a race. You know, you're looking at that'll freshen a motor. But I think that for these traveling guys and these national touring guys, fifteen thousand, ten to fifteen is about it. You know, I mean, you can't get much lower than that for these guys if you want to draw them at all. I mean, you've got to have that. Now, if you look at it, it seems like the the trend five thousand is kind of the new three thousand. You know, five thousand is where three thousand used to be in terms of these regional guys, and then And then 10, I'm not sure if 10 is necessarily the new five, you know, but it's close. You know, 15 is still good money, though. One of the keys, though, for these guys that don't reason they don't want to come to these races is, you know, and I know that they'll probably throw mud clods at me when I see them next. But these national guys have gotten spoiled from these no longer having to go to two day shows like we used to 10, 15 years ago or 20 years ago for 10,000 to win. You've got a lot of single day shows for 10, 15,000 to win, maybe a few even for 20, whereas you go down to to why not paid only 15 to win. And that was a, that was a two day show. And if you go practice all of a sudden you're there three days, just like, you know, the national 100 was 20, but if you go practice, you're there three days, it does make a long weekend. And you are only getting one payday. So you might want to consider if you're going to only have a two if you're still going to have a two day show, you do need to start bumping that purse up to get those guys there because they don't want to come to a two day show anymore and sit there all weekend for 15 to win when only one person is leaving with the 15 and the other person is leaving with eight, nine or 10, whatever for second or less, you know, 7,500 if you split it in half like a lot of folks do, you know. That's that's just a long weekend and and all these other long weekends on the national tour you know have a five out a five and a thirty or a five five twenty you know they they're having those races even though it's a long weekend that we all kind of you know mumble about and grumble about they're at least getting paid on those uh, on those prelim nights whereas these other races you know the national one hundred uh, why not you didn't get paid pike county did have a three thousand to win race you know ahead of their race and I, I can't remember about bedford but i don't think they i don't think they had a prelim pay yeah uh, yeah they didn't have a prelim pay so you know that's that's another thing right there is you've got to you've got to take in consideration time how long they're there and you've got to spread the money a little bit to get those guys
0: yeah, I think that's a, definitely a, a good point. Well, I think Bedford had prelim features that paid is what what it was. And I've seen a number of events go to that where either the – I think uh, one of the – was it Richmond, Kentucky had a – one of the Kentucky tracks had a race this year where they had heat races that paid like a 1,000 to win. So, um, you know, there's at least some incentive for being there for two nights. But, yeah, I think the traditional two-day show – with only one payout is really, really tough, especially for those national level guys, but uh, a lot of good stuff there. I'm not sure if any race promoters, track promoters listen to our podcast, but if they do, hopefully they can um, take a little bit of that and use it as they will, because I I do personally enjoy these late season races, you know, going to them. You know, it's just something something different about this time of year as the weather starts to cool off and these bigger events and and that feel more like a, a whole weekend event you know, going to and camping and all that. Um, and I will say one other thing before we wrap up this part of the conversation is there's always the the idea of maybe looking at doing, I mean, I hate to lose a super late model race to a, you know, a crate race or something else, but, you know, I look at like all tech had 70 something cars for their uh, Powell Memorial, you know, 26,000 to win and had a bunch of people in the stands really felt like a big event. Although it wasn't a super late model event, that may be something other place, you know, events need to explore a way of, you know, if, if, if your goal was having a bunch of late model cars for the main race, I, I don't know, but something to keep in mind. But speaking of big money races and big money wins, we, uh, I think we've at this point are all aware that Brandon Overton has a, uh, a fairly special season going. And, and one thing, um, you know, and seeing him win at uh, East Alabama this past weekend and picking up the $20,000 payday there, uh, I think it still keeps alive his chase for a million dollar season as we head into Charlotte here. And then of course he's going to Vegas and there's a, a couple of other, uh, you know, bigger paying races, uh, in November that he could choose to go to, to kind of pad the stats there. If he's still chasing that number, but Kevin, can you, I know you were, you were mentioning you had kind of some stats there. What's the update? Where's he at? And is he going to be able to make it to that, that million dollar elusive million dollar season, uh, before, uh, the end of the year here?
2: He's, he's close. He still has that, uh, definitely in, in the realm of possibility here, I guess. Uh, he's got 29 wins now. That's, uh, you know, and, and pretty just one away from 30. I mean, this year and, uh, and for his wins, he's won $695,575. That's just strictly wins base purse. I mean, probably got a little bit bonuses in there too, but, but that's base purse of what he's won. And I checked with his car owner, David Wells yesterday, just to double check. He's had a Little kind of running tally there of, of a chart that he uh, he had showed me the last time was that uh El after he won the uh, the world one the that world one hundred on that Thursday night um, he says right now he doesn't have it exactly up to date but it's right around after the national one hundred he's about eight hundred eighty thousand dollars total that he's won this year so I mean he he's he's close he he has definitely has a chance I mean he has this coming weekend, the world finals. Uh, I mean, those are, you got those two races, which, um, if he, if he would win both of them, I mean, that's another, uh, uh, $24,000 he he puts himself at, I mean, that puts him over $900,000, uh, if he gets it. And then next week, uh, Las Vegas, he's running for $100,000 in that race gets 50,000. He's run those other two, uh, uh, race racer, racer uh, uh, XR series events. Uh, so that'll give him a double the 50 grand win that he would get at the duel of the desert in uh, in Texas. And I mean, in uh, excuse me, in Las Vegas, $100,000 right there. Two races would put him over, you know, if he doesn't win both at uh, at uh, Charlotte, he goes and wins a hundred thousand at, at Las Vegas, he'd be going, he's just 20,000 a week after at, at, at uh, Milton, Florida, Southern Raceway, the hunt to front race. And uh, that's possibly um you know, another, uh, uh, yeah, another chance He could be doing it there. I mean, even if he finishes second at Las Vegas, that's double the purse too, because every, wherever he finishes at, at at Vegas, he doubles his prize money. So I believe that's a $40,000 payoff for second. So that would still give him a shot. I mean, he might even, he usually goes and runs that, uh, you know, I think he has, there's Cochran, right? The gobbler, isn't that gobbler is not 21,000 at the end of the year here. Still. Um, I don't believe, I don't know if he'll, he would go to the indoor race, Uh, at St. Louis, but that's 30,000, you know, I mean, there's, there's usually, uh, he'll even go possibly run a crate race for $20,000 at the end of the year. He's got his opportunities and, uh, $1 million would be pretty cool to, to see, uh, see a guy win in one season. It's it's been done before, right, Todd, but, uh, only in one race. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'll interject real quick, and I'll let Todd give us some history on the the, the million dollar season. But but real quick, I will say that I uh, the storyline of if he does sweep Charlotte or or gets to uh, nine hundred grand, or I guess because it's ten thousand to win Friday night at Vegas, I believe if he gets to eight ninety, he could be racing for a million dollars in Vegas. But you know, to make a million dollars, that's a you know Vegas jackpot. I, I'm, it's a pretty cool storyline if he doesn't get it in vegas i do know that the uh the organizers of the event at southern raceway would be glad to have him come chase his million dollar season at southern raceway um for that the king of the sandbox event um yeah full disclosure i'm my me and my brothers are kind of involved in helping promote that at our local track so it would be cool to have him come down here and and be chasing that down here but yeah uh todd you you have some perspective on a a million dollar season you're going to share with us um you know is is it only been done once before I, i believe
1: Uh, Yeah, and and I I, I thought it was interesting. Actually, somebody messaged me the other day and said, hey, how much did Moran win in 2001 when he won the million? And and we have to ask Don. I'm not sure if Don had those records of his non-winning paydays, but he only had $58,000 in other winning purses. And I would say in in most seasons, it would be unlikely he would have had you know more than 30,000 and you know his runner his his a uh, non-winning purses or you know probably not so so maybe he made generously 1.1 1. 1 million you know uh, all of it, you know, being in that one, one race. So I don't know, you know, if, if, if Overton gets that far, we may have to dig into that because that is pretty, pretty interesting to see who would have the winning this race. And just to be clear, I think the Friday race in Vegas is now 25. That was originally 10, but it is up to 25, which gives him a little more time. But what I want to see is I want to see Overton be at, uh, at nine, 9,000. Have a thousand uh, dollars shy, like on December thirtieth, and and be running like at Sumter, South Carolina, for like some kind of like six oh true two crate race, and and that'll put him over the top, and it'll be huge
0: that that would be a very interesting race if, or interesting scenario if he's right there at the edge and needs you know some little paying race to get him over the the hump there of a million dollar season but either way it's truly historic uh, i mean we've obviously talked a lot about how historic his season is and what he's accomplished accomplished this year but uh i mean it is truly historic if he is able to get to a million dollar season i feel like that could change like the 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 significance of that obviously could change as the sport continues to grow and more and more money on the line, um, but for him to be you know, really the first one doing it or trying to do it, other than Moran, of course, with the, the $1 million win that pushed him over it all those years ago, it is it is truly historic and, and kind of fun to talk about and watch uh, as we come to the end of the season here with all these big races. Uh, speaking of big races coming toward the end of the season, we have got a uh, a big event this weekend, of course, with the uh, dirt track at Charlotte hosting the World of Outlaws World Finals. Always a fun time down in North Carolina to to wrap up the World of Outlaws season. Brandon Shepard has the World of Outlaws title wrapped up, so that's not a not a points battle going in there as far as the championship to keep an eye on. But plenty of other storylines to watch besides uh, besides that, and of course also Overton seeing if he can get closer to that that million dollars what are some uh, some other storylines that you guys are following as we head into charlotte uh robert i'll uh, start with you what's something you got an eye on well
3: we had uh we had talked about or, or chatted about guys who've never won at uh a world finals race at charlotte there and uh it, each one of us during our fast talk this week kind of pinpointed a guy and, and actually the guy that i that i pointed out to is chris ferguson um never won World Finals and you would think that uh, Ferguson uh, would have planned to have gone to to. Cherokee this week to kind of tune up, but uh, instead he turned all of his focus towards uh, the World Finals, so that's a a good thing since he was kind of my pick as a non winner to win that thing. And he's also carrying a very special wrap over there that is going to um, honor. His One of his longtime sponsors, Phil Nye, who, who passed away recently. Uh, I think that's really cool, and I can't wait to see that wrap un, unveiled. And he's really looking forward to it, uh, to getting over there and, and, uh, and honoring his, his buddy and his friend that, that he lost this year. So that's, that's one thing, not only the wrap itself, but I'm looking to see if, if a first-time winner can break through. And, and uh, so I'm riding, riding with Fergie this weekend
0: yeah he's definitely one to uh to keep an eye on there at charlotte um you know as far as as we talk about uh potential breakthrough wins there uh kevin what do you got what's something you're keeping an eye on this weekend at charlotte
2: uh i am kind of uh interested i think it bears watching how what's the what's the turnout gonna be like for the for the fields uh i'm i'm wondering uh uh, last year they had 55 and 50 for that kind of replacement. It was a Wednesday-Thursday deal last year. That uh, the last call that they had, it was only a thousand fans allowed in the stands. Kind of was the replacement. Late miles ran Thursday, uh, Wednesday-Thursday. Sprint cars ran Friday and Saturday. Uh, so those midweek shows, they they still drew 50 and 55 cars, which wasn't bad at all. Uh, well, what happens this year? You know, I know there has been some people, you know, talking about the the the, you know, is everybody can Everybody get the tires that they need to run? uh, at Charlotte this week. Uh, I mean, and, and you think about it too, these races are paying $12,000 to win. And, and this is a race. It's a huge, it's one of the biggest, uh, attended races of the year with fan fan count, but it's also, uh it it's not a standout purse in in the big scheme of things now it's not it's not a race that um there's a lot of races that pay more than this that's for sure i mean obviously there's other factors here when you have sprint cars and the big block modified. that's a there's a heck of a lot of money still being paid out uh so you can't just make it a the the 30 to win uh i guess uh, uh that you you might uh, expect uh, from from the the magnitude of the crowd here Uh, But I I think it will probably be going up, I I would imagine, in the future. But right now, it it doesn't stand out in in terms of the the purse like other races do. And what will will, will we see? I mean, it's never been less than 66 cars. I just kind of check that out at the World Finals. I guess last year was we'll we'll wipe that out because that was a a different deal because it was midweek and not the World Finals. But it's always there's it's it's typically always in that range from it's in the 70s it's been as high as 82 uh uh in, in the past so it's there's it's not a event that there's never been it's never dipped down into the 40s or or anything so this is a event that always gets the gets the cars no matter what it seems it's very very uh consistent in that regard so uh, uh i'm going to i'm going to
0: keep an eye on how many cars come through the gates on uh, on Thursday yeah, that's a, a very good point that I've wondered myself looking at some, you know, driver's websites and who's going and who's doesn't have it on there. And I think it may be a little lower than than we've seen in years past, which is a trend. Like that's just the way the sport's headed, especially at that top level, even as again, as the purses go up. Uh, Charlotte hasn't gone up yet. We may see if it does in the future. But, um, you know, the the car counts, even at races with higher payouts are going down a little bit. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Todd, what what are you going to be watching at Charlotte this weekend?
1: I'm going to throw some bulletin board material out there for the world of outlaws regulars. Cause if you, uh, if you toss out the rocket chassis house, house car, a world of outlaws regular has not won at the world finals or the last call, uh, since 2014. Um, so those guys got to step up, you know, we know, we know Brandon Shepard could get it done, but, uh, uh, you know, those, certainly those world of outlaws guys are tired of those independent and Lucas oil guys coming in there and stealing that, uh, uh, money and the spotlight there uh, under NAS, you know, in, in the in the NASCAR world there. So it's a, uh, uh, we'll see if um, one of those guys can't break through and break that streak.
0: Yeah, that's another great point. Bringing <laughs> bringing it, it up there is something to watch there. See if uh, maybe a Chris Madden or uh, Tyler Bruning having a great solid year but needs a win. Maybe one of those guys can step up and and uh, claim one for the Outlaws regulars uh there this this week at Charlotte. I'll say one thing I'm gonna be keeping an eye on. Um kind of been keeping an eye on this, you know, the sec- the end of the season here. And we talked about this last week is, is Max Blair and the Viper Motorsports team um and how they know they've you know they're preparing for a rookie of the year run on World of Outlaws next year by going to these races at the end of the season. Obviously going to one of the biggest races of the year in Charlotte um, with the Outlaws. Uh really going to be a good test for him to kind of see where he is um with only a few more races left before uh, taking a little break and then heading down to Speed Weeks in january uh to kind of to kick off his first national touring season so that's one thing um i'll have an eye on plus some other guys uh you know non-big-name guys going and, and running uh this weekend there at charlotte all right so it'll be a, a big weekend at charlotte we'll all be excited uh for that one uh, uh did robert did i yeah we got one more thing
3: no i just wanted to i just wanted to remind todd that that uh they are they might not have been world of Outlaws, and I'm sure he took this into account that they might not have been world of outlaws regulars when they won at Charlotte, but you've got Dennis herb jr who who won there in seventeen and Chris Madden who picked up a win there in twenty nineteen so so while they might not have been regulars on the tour at the time they are there are a couple guys maybe there that are capable uh of winning uh so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you who I'm necessarily rooting for or anything like that not that anybody would you know, know but uh but just you know just throwing that
0: out there yeah definitely a good point made there but uh I I would I would, I would lean towards Todd's point of view that it, I'm sure the outlaws would like to see one of their guys as an outlaw regular get, get a win there but as it is an excellent point um all right, I guess that'll uh we'll, we'll head towards the end of the podcast here and wrap it up like we do every week with our one more thing segment. And uh for that, I will start with Todd. Todd, what do you have for one more thing this week?
1: Well, I've been, you know, we we always talk about how lately we've been like, oh my goodness, there's still so much racing, and, and looking at the November schedule, I thought, man, let, let's see what it compares to in years past. um And just as a caveat from the beginning, if you look at for instance, they're on Dirt's master schedule, our our list of scheduled races has evolved. You know, we've included maybe more smaller division. Uh, you know, there's more crate series, for instance, now than there was years ago and different things. So in general, I think we put more on the schedule than we would have years ago. But I still looked up some numbers, you know, just to compare. And it's interesting to look at. Um, from 2000, 2000 to 2002, over that three-year stretch, our master schedule averaged 13.3 races in November. From 2007 to 2009, which I picked that because that's the first three years of Dirt on Dirt, uh, an average of 25.3 races over those three seasons. The last three seasons, 2018 to 2020, an average of 35.6 races in November. And get ready for this, this year, course we haven't seen any rain outs or snow out yet but there's 57 races scheduled now certainly some of those will fly by the wayside but we you know that's a big number um i don't know it's just interesting to look at that and again not completely apples to apples uh but there's no doubt um when you go back to I mean, I know my days at National Dirt Digest in the 90s, I would be sitting there thinking, what are we going to put in the paper this month? You know, we have all this advertising, but we, there's only three races we're covering, you know, and it, was, and it was like we were sweating it. Well, today you wouldn't be sweating it at all because there's just a million races. So it's interesting to see November just so crowded in the schedule still
0: yes as uh we have there's hardly any off season anymore to say the least we race uh basically new years to thanks well even beyond thanksgiving these days to the week before christmas uh now so uh, that is definitely to see that uh and, and see the actual numbers there todd good job bringing that um and sharing that it was very interesting to see the actual some actual numbers behind that um uh, there so uh kevin what do you got for for one more thing
2: uh, it was a really big, a big emotional win on, on uh, Saturday night at the Mid Atlantic Weekend uh, Championship, Mid Atlantic Championship Weekend at Georgetown, Delaware, uh, for Ross Robinson, hometown guy. Lives only a few miles from the racetrack. Uh, uh, he can, I think, he can hear the cars there. If he probably was at home and not at the racetrack, uh, but he was. ended up being a really good race too. I mean, he uh, he led every lap, but. Uh, he had to hold off trevor feathers in the last lap feathers got ahead of him and then ross uh, made a crossover mood off of four uh, made, made it a really good finish and then he got in victory lane and and i'm like expecting you know i know ross is a he's an emotional guy He he's very he's very uh he's not exact. i remember the, remember former speaker of the house john boehner you know remember how he used to cry a lot and stuff you know but i wouldn't say he's not that i mean he's not gonna you know tear up like that but he'll usually tear up uh, in victory lane when he starts uh you know talking about like getting getting into something about his race team and the people that help him and his family and stuff you know, you can usually count on some uh, you know waterworks going with Ross and and this one was really special because not only did he win at his home track uh but it was his first time uh you know running that that big weekend there the season ending weekend uh, without his father there who passed away uh, just almost two months ago. So he, he had said the whole time he was there, you know, in victory lane, he was saying how he, he, he thinking in him the whole time. And then he goes and wins the race. So uh, there definitely were some tears coming out of his eyes and, and kind of broke down a little bit. And his uh, his voice was cracking, uh, which wasn't a surprise. Uh, Cause I knew that race would, that win would mean a lot to Ross. And, and, and it certainly showed it.
0: Yeah, definitely a big win there for Ross and congrats to him and, and his team and family there on that one. All right, Robert. What what do you have uh, for one more thing this week? I just wanted to, uh, to the
3: race that, that your brother won uh, over there at first of all. Super B Speedway has come out with their twenty twenty two schedule, and the race that uh, that your brother won over there, which paid fifty this year, first they've moved it to March from the fall, and they've only and they decided to pay go from fifty to thirty thousand to win, but they're paying two thousand to start versus a thousand dollars to start which I think is, is a smart move on, on their part. I think they probably hope to have close to 100 cars paying 50000 to win this year. They got fifty six, I think. And so I think with 30000 30, I don't know if they'll draw any more cars, but I, I think they probably should. With uh, 30000 to win and $2,000 to start, that's really good money for the, the crate guys. Uh, I don't know if many crate races anywhere pay $2,000 to start so that's that's pretty good and uh so that's gonna be like the last weekend in March, and they also had the spooky fifty, even though that race only drew like a dozen cars or less or something. that's back on the schedule again for for mid October down there at super b and and a lot of other uh big paying races are going on down there, so hopefully they'll keep that place going in the right direction and and they can continue to have those big specials down there in Louisiana that'll be good for racing in the area.
0: Yeah, I saw that announcement as well and uh, find it interesting. Like we were, we were just talking about the, the spreading that money through the field. And if that will help uh, car counts, Not, I, I think for the crate guys, I think that'll be a, um, uh, you know, I think that will. I think guys will like seeing that, uh, the money being spread through the field uh, for those crate guys. And and speaking of crate uh, races, I'm going to do my one more thing on a crate. the crate race, the crate late model uh, race at the National 100 uh, with Terrence now picking up a five thousand dollar victory there was uh it was pretty cool for me watching it because that's the name that's a, a driver that i've going i've mentioned it before i grew up going to phoenix city that was our uh our big race every year the national 100 going a lot of times my dad would go and race in it and then my brothers uh, eventually uh, and then when we didn't race we just go up there and watch and be a part of it so i kind of grew up um you know seeing those names and he was a name that um you know was always uh cool to see him racing against the the big It's big, super late model guys when they came in there for that race. And, you know, he held his own and had some good finishes there. Obviously, he's not doing as much racing uh, now as he did back then. And as uh, you know, he's not doing, I don't think, any super late model racing. But it was cool to see him getting back in victory lane on the National 100 weekend at East Alabama Motor Speedway. So congrats to him and that team. All right. I believe that's going to do it uh, for this week's episode of the podcast. We will be back next week to do this all again. Have a good one.